0: You're listening to the Fantrax Radio Network. Fantasy sports lives here. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan and joining me tonight is Joe
1: Saunders. What's up, Pat? What's going on? We got a good show today, right? Yeah, Matt,
0: we're, we're all ready to go. We got plenty of stuff to talk about, so let's kick it off. The news and notes, the big news from around the league. Chris Bryant was sent to the DL tonight with a shoulder injury. And uh, Josh Donaldson experienced a setback in his rehab. So two big-name third basemen in the injury news. Who are you targeting to replace them? I mean, obviously, Donaldson's been out. But what are some free agents that are out there to help replace Bryant?
1: Yo, what is what? Is, what is Donaldson's deal, man? Like we were, we were. T- sorry, I, I'm not answering your question, but like we—that's okay. We were totally in on Donaldson, and now it's it's starting to it's starting to get kind of bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't remember who it was that I was talking to earlier today, but I mean, the, the conversation was basically, how is Toronto even going to get anything for him at this point? I mean, he 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 has to come back. And and it looks to me like they've held on to him too long. Yeah. I mean obviously hindsight being 2020, 20, they can't know that he was going to be hurt all year, but god, he he's just it's it's tough. It's tough. You've gotten almost nothing out of him. And the top of the draft has been really productive, which makes these guys, both these guys kind of disappointing. I mean, Bryant hasn't been great either. And I wonder if the shoulder has something to do with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I- I, I remember I just like it's stuck in my mind seeing Donaldson noodle arm those those throws so early in the season, and it, 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 it just it stick it's it's stuck with me right. And he's done nothing. Um, I, I mean I'm definitely worried. I'm definitely worried that he's not going to be able to turn it on like he did last year. Um, in the limited amount of time that he that he played as so as far as replacements go, um, I, I think. One name that pops out—it's—it's it's a little over fifty percent ownership, but it's Derek Dietrich who's red hot right now. Yep, so red hot. He's got, um, you know, a ton of position eligibility first, second, third outfield and five start leagues. So um, Dietrich's like really the guy that I think I'd target if if he was available in in, in my league.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I have my eyes on Dietrich. He was one guy I identified. I also identified his teammate, Brian Anderson, who we talked about last week. Um, You know, he's a high average hitter. He's probably got a little more pop than he showed. He's also got multi-position. He's got third and outfield. Um, So he's interesting. Um, Other names, Ryan Healy, Matt Davidson, and the name that we keep coming back to, Colin Moran. Um, Moran's actually been hitting cleanup for for, for the Pirates. Um, he had the night off tonight against the lefty, but, um, you know, he's moved into a key run producing spot in that lineup. And I mean, he's not spectacular, but he's a guy that's going to hit 275 and, and paces to about 20 bombs. So, I mean, there's enough there that, you know, you can plug him in, play him. And then, you know, especially in the case of Bryant, where you're anticipating he's not going to miss a lot of time. Moran is not going to hurt you.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's actually an excellent point um, that I'd like to harp on a little bit in that if I'm the Bryant owner, then I, I don't really feel bad about um, plugging in any of these guys. If I'm the Donaldson owner, though, if someone is willing to pay for the name, I'd probably sell.
0: Oh, OK. So now the, now the question is obviously going to shift to what's your line of demarcation? I mean, are we talking uh, top 100 asset? Are we talking... A top 125 asset? I think i do
1: either of those.
0: Okay. What about like top 150? Um, if somebody came to you and was offering, let's say, Adam Jones, probably not, right?
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: Okay. What about, what about like a, a young gun? What about like a player like Austin Meadows? Probably yeah. not still,
1: right? Oh uh, I don't know though. Uh p- yeah, probably not. Because the situation there can go from like really good to really bad really quickly. If he gets cold and Polanco gets hot and then next thing you know Meadows is down. Okay,
0: what about like Kyle Seeger and a sweetener?
1: Yeah, like there I'm um, interested. So Cause cause, yeah, like, Kyle, Kyle Seeger's Seeger been like, like Bad for Kyle Seager, but he's still been more productive than Donaldson's been, which has been a zero. Yeah, yeah.
0: So like, if it was Kyle Seager and I don't know, uh, uh, reliever X. Yeah, like back end, like mid mid level closer.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Like uh Cody Allen. I I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts? No, I agree with that. Playing? I think you're right.
0: I I think that's like probably about the line. Um, you know, it's always easier to craft trades in terms of, um, you know, comparing a guy at the same position. But, I mean, obviously, if you drafted Donaldson, he was your big investment at third base. So it's unlikely you've got a guy, the quality of Seeger. And Seeger's a guy that's kind of streaky, like year to year, like, uh, not, not even year to year, but month to month to month. Um, you know, he hasn't gotten red hot yet. I, I, I'm betting that it's going to come. Um, and, and, you know, he's going to end up right around 250, 260, 25 ish bombs. He had a homer tonight. He's at 14, which is surprising to me. I didn't think he had that many, but yeah,
1: me neither. You know, this is, this is what he does though. Like I know. And that's, that's exactly it. Right. Like I, I would totally take Seeger for Donaldson right now. Like, get, yeah, give me the at-bats at this point.
0: All right. I got, I got one more name for you. Just, just out of curiosity. What about like red hot guys? Like, uh, I'll give you. I'll give you both Dodgers. What about Max Muncy I or think, Matt Kemp?
1: I uh, definitely a yes on Muncy. I'm with you on that. Yes, probably not on Kemp. Uh, it's close. It's um, close. It's close, but probably not. Yeah, it's a, it's all about need. It's all about, it's all about need. I think I would need the sweetener on Kemp. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. The other news: Gary Sanchez to the DL. Do you think this DL stint is actually a good thing for Gary, considering his? Struggles. The reports are three to four weeks, and who are some replacement options that you're looking at for Sanchez?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think uh, this is a good thing. Uh, you know, offline, I asked you if this was a phantom DL stint or a real DL stint. I wasn't aware that he he uh, got hurt. Uh, so yeah, I think I think this is a a very positive move for Gary Sanchez. He needs some time off. Get gets his head straight. Um, he might get. This might fall into uh, the all-star break too. Um, so we'll get some time off there. And then I expect big things in the second half. The batted ball profile looks okay. Um, he's just run into a string of bad luck. I know I know. the other day, Pat, you had mentioned that he hit like four balls, a hundred plus miles an hour, and they were all outs. So yeah. it's not like he's not hitting the ball well. Um, and now it's like a great, great buying opportunity. He's hurt. Uh, the owner's probably extraordinarily frustrated with Sanchez having had to pay up for him, you know, like third third round. Um, this is a great time to go try and get Sanchez.
0: Yeah, I, I agree completely with that. I mean, I've followed Sanchez because I have a lot of shares and he has been incredibly frustrating, but a lot of it has to do with just poor luck. I mean, I, I hate to say it that way and just dismiss it like that. I mean, yeah, there are some issues. I mean, there's an infield fly problem that's kind of developed. Um, So, you know, the Bavid, you know, isn't – shouldn't be where it's been in the past, but it also shouldn't be in the 190s, which is where it is right now. And it's not going to stay there. He's too good of a hitter, and and he's got too much of a track record at this point to to turn around and say that this guy has suddenly completely lost it. Um, And he hasn't if you watch him play. If you watch him play – you're seeing him hit the line drives, and they're finding gloves. This is just what happens uh, over the course of a season. This happens to some guys. It happens over the course of a career. And, yeah, I mean, you don't ever want your player to be hurt. But, you know, three weeks to a month off are, is, is, like, perfect for him because it lets him kind of reset. He doesn't have to press. Um, he's going to have a rehab stint where he's going to face some soft pitching. That will allow him to get his confidence back up. And, yeah, I think he'll be an absolute monster down the stretch. I mean, it, it's just he, he makes too good – the contact that he makes is too hard and too good, too consistently for this to continue. So he's absolutely a buying opportunity. Um, some guys that I like – I mean, we talked about John Hicks last year. Uh, last year. <laughs> last episode. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we talked about him last year. I mean, we talked about a lot of guys. But John Hicks is um, you know, getting the opportunity in Detroit to play almost every day. Uh, Based on that volume and his talent level, he's like a 250, 260 guy with about 20 homers. um, And he's going to see pretty much every day at bat. So he's going to see a high degree of volume. Um, He's perfect. He's 42% in 12-team leagues. Uh, Jan Gomes has quietly put together a really nice year, Um, 36%. That lineup is awesome. Um, J.R. Murphy is very intriguing in Arizona, but uh, the playing time is not there. But that's really your deep league play at 8%. And, you know, if you're just looking to just get the Yankee catcher, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with getting Andrew Romine for a month and just, you know, he's going to hit seventh, eighth or ninth in that lineup. But that lineup is awesome. So, you know, the run production might be as good there as it is for the six hitter in an average lineup. So, you know, he's not a bad plug and play either. Um, You're not going to replace Sanchez's upside, but. You know, you're just looking for a bat to hold the fort. Another name is Tucker, Tucker Barnhart um, has been hitting two in the Reds lineup, and that lineup is good. So, you know, you get some run production there, and he's like another guy that's not going to kill you in batting average. He's not a huge power guy, but, you know, again, you're not going to be able to replace Gary Sanchez perfectly. You just kind of have to, you know, piece it together based upon what your needs are and wait for him to come back. Anything else? Nope. Okay, let's move to Lorenzo Kane. Uh, Dealing with a couple of different things. They placed him on the DL. He's got a hamstring problem from last week that uh, kept him out for a game. And then I believe he played part of another one and then was replaced. And then he ran into a groin issue over the weekend that kept him out for two games. Um, You know, these, these are little nicks. Does this dampen your outlook or are you good with the DL stint here as well? And who are some replacements
1: for Kane while he's out? So you're the Kane owner, so you take this one.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I'm not again, I, I hate to be, you know, overly optimistic, but I'm not terribly worried about this. I think this is exactly what smart teams do. Um, you know, they sat him on the bench for two days, saw if it got better, it wasn't getting better, and they put him on the DL like they should. So he's gonna be out for ten days. I, I imagine it'll be close to the minimum because you know, they didn't put him on the D L right away and He's tried to play through these issues and you know they've just shut him down for you know a, a few days and let him get healthy I'd rather have a healthy cane for you know 70 to 75 to 80 games the rest of the way than have him be at 85 to 90 percent for 90 uh, 90 games so I mean I, I, I to me this is a positive development um, and for some guys to replace him I mean 12 teamers. Eric Thames is at 47 percent. Aaron Hicks, 45 percent. Austin Meadows, 39 percent. Manny Margot is red hot at 31 percent. Going deeper, Kiermaier, 21 percent. Nico Goodrum at six percent and Alan Hansen at five percent. So, I mean, there's plenty of guys that you can get that can give you parts of what Kane does. Um, And, you know, you just have to hope that you catch the catch a guy on a hot streak. But no, I'm not panicked about this at all.
1: Yeah, I echo your sentiment. I'm not panicked either. Um, I totally agree with you that this is what good teams do. They can afford to. They have plenty of bats in Milwaukee to uh, to fill this place. Um, and I think the one name that you mentioned, and I know um, it's at like 39% percentership, um, but it's, it's Meadows uh, because I think he can do what Kane can do. Um, he can give you a little bit of pop. He can give you a little bit of steals. Um, he's hitting well right now. Um, and again, I think long-term, the outlook might be wishy-washy if he gets cold and and, uh, and Polanco gets hot. But right now, he's he's the perfect replacement for Lorenzo Cain.
0: And he's also hitting, been hitting, too, in that lineup. Exactly. So he's going to um, have good run production when he's in there. And uh, you know, Blanco might not even be the issue anymore. It might be Dickerson. Um, you know, Corey Dickerson has gone, Corey Dickerson cold. So <laughs> as we as we figured he would eventually. Um, so I you know, I think Meadows is is, is a pretty good bet to, you know, see the at bats going forward. So yeah, I like him too as a as a pickup. All right, so let's talk about uh Lorenzo Kane's teammate or or former teammate being that he's been sent down, Domingo Santana. Um he was sent down for our old friend, Joe, Brad Miller. Bradley! Bradley is back. So, in redraft, antenna has got to be gone, but what do you make of his future? Do you think he's going to be moved at the deadline? And if he finds his way into at-bats, do you care?
1: Okay, so uh, I don't think he gets moved at the deadline because I think his... Um... His value is pretty low right now. And I think Milwaukee made a mistake. They missed their opportunity in the offseason to sell him. Um, also, something worth mentioning, too, is that with Kane's injury, Santana wasn't the one that was brought back up. It was Keon Broxton. So that kind of speaks volumes to what they feel about Santana right now. I think that the plan is probably get him full-time at-bats um, at against lesser pitching try and get him to figure out and work out his problems and then maybe build some of that value up um, and potentially trade him. I just don't think that there's enough time to do that uh, specifically this year. Um, And there was also there was also skill set issues that we were worried about coming in. Um, It's not just a playing time issue. So if he's moved, no, I don't really care right now.
0: Well, I'm sort of on the other side. I mean, I still think Domingo has talent. He's a flawed player, but I mean, I wouldn't be stunned if he's got, you know, another 30 15 type season in him at some point. Um, the power is very much for real. Uh, the battle ball skills are, are good enough for a plus babbitt and that can help him overcome the case. He's got enough athleticism and speed to steal 10 to 15 bags. Um, you know, given the emergence of Aguilar and the ability of Thames to function as a fourth or, or now a third outfielder, um, you know, I, I think that they might consider moving him as part of a package. I wouldn't be shocked if it is, if they do that, um, you know, he might've worn out his welcome, you know, this kind of reminds me like a few years ago when, when the Astros uh, decided to move on from Jonathan VR. And and I, and that's a player I've constantly antenna to before in terms of, um, you know, he sort of has that volatile profile where, you know, he's got he's got great upside. But at the same time, he's got that sort of rock bottom zero floor that we're seeing right now. Um, and, and, you know, teams that are really, really good and can afford to, you know. Bench those guys, they. they They don't have a lot of patience for them. But Santana's still a good enough player that, I mean, if he ends up in, I mean, I'll throw out Kansas City, for instance. You know, he's going to hit right in the middle of that lineup. It's not a great lineup, but there's something that to be said for him getting the opportunity to play without having to look over his shoulder anymore. And, And I do think that that's an intangible sort of thing, but I do think there is something to that. Um, where Santana may have been pressing because he wasn't guaranteed every day at bats. So when he was in there, you know, he was really, really trying to um, do too much at the plate and therefore struggling. Um, So I I will be watching to see if he does get traded because I do think that if he goes somewhere where they're going to give him, you know, another 250 at bats or whatever it is at the, at, at the trade deadline, he could be a player that could get hot. Um, you know, particularly if he's switching venues, maybe even switching leagues, um, he might run into some soft pitching or pitching that hasn't seen him before. And, um, you know, sometimes that can boost a player's value. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to an extent. Aris Viscagino hit the DL, uh, but apparently it's going to be a minimal stay. He's going to be back Sunday. Uh, Winker and Winkler and Minter are supposed to be supposed to share the role in that time. Do you have any preference for one or the other or being that it's a short DL stint or you just passing?
1: Um, Long term, I like Minter. um, But Winkler's been pretty damn good. Um, Winkler did blow a save in spectacular fashion, giving up four runs on Friday. Um, But Minter's the lefty. So um, I also think that Minter has the better stuff overall, but I, I, I just feel like the righty is going to get the lion's share of the saves um, to start. End of the day, though, I, I still think it's Vizca, you know, once he comes back.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Vizca, you know, at least, you know, for – he's, he's going he's gonna to get the opportunity to win the chop back. Um, in terms of the two of them, I agree with you. I think Minter's got the best stuff, but I think right now – Winkler is the better pitcher. I think he's got better command of his stuff. And I don't think the gap between the two of them in terms of stuff is so wide that Minter is able to, you know, overcome his sort of shortcomings with his control um, and and lack of command. Um, Minter is a stud reliever in the future and he's quite possibly a stud now, but, I think Winkler is the preferred choice, especially when, like you said, you look at the fact that Winkler is right-handed and Minter is lefty, and there's not really another great lefty in that pen. Um, so I think that would keep him out of the role. So I think Winkler is the guy you want if you're betting that this guy, you know, his injury is going to be something that recurs. Agreed. Okay, Caleb Smith, uh, strained lat. He's considering season-ending surgery. Is he a sleeper for 2019 for you, or do you think this was just a flash in the pan? And do you think it's time for Sandy Alcantara?
1: Uh, A little bit of both. Um, I don't know about sleeper because the changeup in the fastball are good, but not great offerings. The slider is the real weapon. And it's nice to see that he tapped into it more often this year, um, and hence the improvement. I think he'll be a work in progress going forward. And if he continue to increase the effectiveness of the fastball and changeup, because he did uh, from last year, um, then I think he could be a little bit of a sneaky play. Right now, though, um, if he doesn't change anything going into next year and doesn't improve at all, he's still a solid back end fantasy starter. Um, and as far as is it time for Alcantara, um, I don't think so. The Marlins have mentioned that they want to be patient with him. Um, He's got 86 or so innings in uh, AAA, um, and I imagine that they'll probably just ride him out in AAA the rest of the season, give him a full season there, um, and then see what he's got next year.
0: Yeah, Smith's an extreme fly baller. He's got good velo from the left side, high spin fastball with uh, two secondary offerings. The profile's not going to work everywhere because of the extreme fly balls, but he's in the right ballpark. I mean, Miami's huge, so... Um, you know, the situation is good for, for what he does. So I'm buying Smith for 19 as like a nice mid rotation arm. I imagine he'll be undervalued because he's coming off injury, didn't really have a track record before this year. And Miami is not a good situation, um, you know, in terms of wins. Um, Alcantara, I think will be up soon, but I don't think the numbers are all that promising. Uh, he's ground ball, heavy profile, Matt control, he looks a little bit like Luis Perdomo to me. Um, Good he comment. definitely has upside in terms of raw stuff, but I don't think he's there yet. And if he does come up this year, I would pass. Roberto Ozuna was suspended 75 games. Uh, it's looking like his return date is going to be in August. Uh, putting aside the terrible act allegations that are against him, what do you think of trying to get Ozuna as a fantasy play?
1: Um, I think it would depend on the price and league format. Um, I think in, if you're in Roto, I think I'm definitely out, um, in a head to head, uh, maybe, but only if I have a slot for him. If I don't have a slot, then I'm definitely not interested. What about you? What do you, what do you think?
0: To me, it's a, it's a risk on a lot of different fronts. I mean, he's, Going, is he going to be able to obtain his visa to travel in and out of the United States? Is he going to be welcomed back by
1: Toronto?
0: I mean, you don't have to go back that far to look to see Jose Reyes in Colorado and basically them just telling him, go home. We don't want you here um, for a very similar situation. Is he going to be traded? There's some speculation that might happen. And then you have the normal factors that come from a long layoff. Yeah. How long is it going to take yeah. How's it going to take him to get ready? And this is a major legal situation and a major, you know, there's severe reputational damage that has occurred here. You know, is he going to be mentally ready? Is he is he going to be able to focus on his actual job? Um, you know, I, I doubt it. So there's a lot of headaches and you're talking about saves. Um uh, you know, I'm not the biggest advocate of paying up for saves. I'm not the biggest advocate of um you know going to the ends of the earth to get saves even in season. Um, I can understand the appeal, but it's also a dead roster spot for another month and a half. so, like you said, it's entirely dependent on the roster. if you can withstand the dead weight and you need the saves, sure, but otherwise I'm pretty much out.
1: Yeah, I, I essentially I'm with you. I if I can't session I'm out.
0: And the other thing is is like we're approaching the trade deadline now. So there's jobs that are going to open up in most leagues. I mean if you're in your sixteen team formats and every closer and every setup man is owned and you and you need to make a reach, I get it. But I mean if you're in a twelve team league like Joe Jimenez is out there. Uh, you can take either one of the Braves guys, um, you know, with Vizcaino being hurt. Brendan Morrow got hurt. You know, you can get paid for a stroke. There are options out there. Uh, Jared Hughes is looks like the next man up in Cincinnati. Bryce Algracius is almost certainly going to be traded. So you don't need to latch on to a wing and a prayer with Ozunet there's going to be guys that are going to be coming into the roles within the next three or four weeks. And, you know, they don't have that substantial uncertainty that Ozuna does in terms of, you know, this legal, this legal situation and what's going to happen in terms of, you know, is he going to be able to, you know, readjust and, and get back and get back to 100% of what he was. Okay. Dylan Bundy, you got sent to the DL with an ankle sprain. We're going to discuss him later. Uh, looks to be more precautionary than anything else. Um, okay. So let's, let's move it to blind resumes. Uh, Joe, I'm going to give you my first one. Ooh, okay. Uh, all right. So, and for those of you that don't know, you know, we're just going to give some statistics of players, um, the other one, the other host is going to try and guess uh, who the players are, and then we'll discuss them in, in some detail. So for my first one, we have player A, 35 runs, 12 homers, 48 RBIs, one stolen base, a 293 batting average, and a 909 OPS. And he has multiple position eligibility. Player B. 40 runs, 9 homers, 36 RBIs, 2 steals, 280 864 OPS. Also has multiple positions although the positions aren't as desirable as player player A's.
1: I'm so shot. I got I got nothing on either.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, player A is Eduardo Escobar. Oh, yo, he's the best. And player B is the recently DL'd Chris Bryant. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So with Escobar, you know, digging a little deeper beyond those surface stats, you know, you see the 349 Babbitt. The K rate's not ridiculous at 23%. The hard contact rate is very nice at 42%. He's got a 12.6 homer to fly ball rate, not ridiculous. Um, you know, he's hitting a lot of fly balls, but um, you know, he's not cashing in at any kind of unsustainable homer to fly ball rate. Um, that's in line with last year's and in support of the BABIP, he's got a 25% line drive rate. Now, I don't think he's a 350 BABIP guy. So 293 is probably going down to about 275, 270, but Escobar looks pretty good to my eyes. I don't see anything in the profile or in his approach that makes me in that indicates to me that these things are going to change, um, you know, in any kind of drastic fashion. And in five games started, he's got second, third, short. I mean, you can't beat that combination of eligibility. So I think he's a pretty good asset. Um, you know, if you can forego the speed, particularly in the middle infield, plus you've got Miguel Sano down in, you know, single A or wherever he is now this week, <laughs> if he's been promoted, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, the the playing time is pretty secure, even if Jorge, Jorge Polanco comes back.
1: Um, you know who Escobar reminds me of? Um, not in terms of skill set, but in terms of how he was valued? Cesar Hernandez. Right. Like these are two guys that at the end of the season, right. You know, probably us and every other fantasy analyst is going to go, oh, you know, like these two kind of came out of nowhere. Well, not c- out of nowhere, but, you know, jumped up the jumped up the, the the middle infield rankings. And these are two players that I know that we were, you know, fairly fond of as, especially Hernandez, but even Escobar. Escobar had all the tools. It's just, um, we, you know, the playing time was a little wishy-washy. But uh, I, I'm totally on board with this. I, I mean, Escobar's a man.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, in digging in on Bryant, there's not a lot there that really is, you know, a red flag to me. The Babib sits at 340. He's got a 21% K rate. Uh, the hard contact, 36.5% isn't spectacular, but it's not, you know, alarming. Uh, 10.3% homer to fly ball rate. It is down 6% from his career average. So probably has some homer luck coming his way. But, you know, then you hear today the shoulder injury, you know, and it's been bothering him for some time. And, you, you know, shoulders are notorious for sapping power. So you begin to wonder if, you know, this is sort of one of those years where Bryant's going to play through something um, or has been playing through something, uh, has failed to go on the DL, and it's going to impact his full season line. Now, the issue is whether or not he can get healthy or get the shoulder to a place where the power can come back. Um, I think there's a little bit to be concerned about here. I mean, I don't think I'd be I don't think I'd be paying full freight on Bryant at this point. As though his uh, return to form is a sure thing.
1: Yeah, so you know, with Bryant too, right? The Cubs are in the thick of a division battle, um, which hurts Bryant's case to get some real time off, right? Like if they were at the bottom of the league, you know, Bryant would just have all the time in the world to get to get healthy, and whenever he's ready, he's ready. But you know, he's got to play. He's got to play, and and they've got to win. So uh, I'm with you there. And I think looking, looking a little bit ahead to next year, Brian's, you know, if Brian falls to like the Manny Machado range, which uh, Machado was in uh, this year, like 18, 19, 20, 21 or so, Brian could be a pretty good value.
0: Yeah. And I got to think that that's where he would end up, you know, if if not even later, if you were redrafting today, Mm -hmm. because, You know, again, we said at the top of the show, I mean, when you look at that, those first two rounds, the value has been very, very good overall. You know, there is not a lot of regrettable picks in those top 25 or so. So it's going to be really hard for Bryant to get back into any kind of, you know, high end higher up sort of draft position, in, you know, at the turn or, or wherever, um, you know, he might be closer to that second turn than the first turn. I agree with you there. All right. Do you want to give me one of yours or do you want me to keep going?
1: Uh, yeah, l- let me, let me do it. We'll, we'll split it up. Okay. All right. So, uh, this is from May 1st and that's when player a started seeing regular at bats. Okay. So player a is, has a two eighty three. 349, 632, triple slash with 16 home runs, uh, 30 runs, and I think 42 RBIs. Um, and player B has a 316, 398, 684, triple slash, 19 home runs with uh, just over 34 runs and 38 RBI. And a hint is they both home run Homer tonight.
0: One question that I have is player B also from May first, or is yes, that yes, it's season? both
1: it's both from May first. Jeez. So six, uh, six Yeah. All right, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say so sixteen home runs and nineteen home runs for the both of them. I
0: think nineteen is J D.
1: Yep.
0: Nice. And I wanna say player A is Gleber Torres. It's
1: not Torres. Okay. You want want another guess, or?
0: Is it Ben? No, it can't be Benintendi. Uh,
1: No, I I don't know it. It's Aguilar. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. So, the deal is, will Aguilar keep this up? Uh, No, because JD's, like, the best hitter in the league. But it just speaks volumes to how well Aguilar has been for the two months that he's been up. Um, And the big note here that I have is he's definitely made a swing change as his average launch angle is now 19.1 degrees versus 11.8 last year. That's a huge, huge change. And it even shows as he's barreling more balls than last year, too. Um, So the power is more, more or less likely here to stay it's the batting average that will probably take a a hit once pitchers start throwing him a ton of breaking pitches where he's whiffing on 21 and 23% breaking and off speed stuff, uh, respectively versus only 8% of fastballs. So he's just crushing the living hell out of fastballs, which is expected after two months of, uh, you know, of a major league hitter. Um, so the average might come tumbling down, but I think the power is here to stay.
0: Yeah, I, I think Aguilar is 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 one of those interesting cases where, you know, he's a guy that's always been very intriguing, but he sort of had that quad A label, and I'm I'm not sure it was fully deserved because he never really got, um, you know, a real full time crack. Um, the power has never really been in doubt; it's always just been can he make enough contact, and you know, I think he's made enough gains at this point that he he's he's a legitimate power threat and even if the average is going to come down it's not going to come down to a place where you know he he should be in doubt where i run into issues with him is again the situation is crowded i mean kane's on the dl um but it's not expected to be a long-term absence so if kane is not going to be out long he kind of is in like a three man rotation with Braun and Thames, and the volume isn't going to be um as you know plentiful as it's been with Thames out. Now, I wouldn't panic over that because these things have a way of working themselves out, and Ryan Braun is hardly the picture of health. Eric Thames has been hurt. Kane is nicked up right now. Um, Jelic missed some time earlier in the season. So there are paths to him finding his playing time. Um, I would definitely hold on Aguilar. And J.D. is just a complete animal. I mean, he's an anomaly. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. It's crazy.
0: Like he doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) <laughs> because, like I mean, he's just – his power is so ridiculous, and yet he's like an oppo fly ball guy. It's, I
1: know. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's insane. He's just – he's an anomaly. He's
0: a fantastic hitter.
1: He hit a – he the home run he hit tonight was like a low-line drive that just made it out of Fenway. It was like – it off the bat, it looked like it was like a double, and it just – it just went – it was gone. He's just yeah. – he's just the best.
0: Yeah, I'm the idiot that thought that maybe J.D.'s power would go down this year because – the ballpark was bad for him stupid, stupid.
1: <laughs> Man, what are you okay. gonna do
0: no you can't get them all right nope all right i'll give you my next one so these are pitchers so we got 89 innings pitch 85 k's how
1: 30, many innings sorry
0: 89 uh okay. 334 era a 1.18 whip a 2.66 k to walk He's got nine quality starts. And little hint, he pitched tonight. Player B, 87.1 innings pitched. 82 Ks. Okay. 3.81 ERA. 1.21 whip. A 2.65 K to walk. And eight quality starts. Okay, is one of them Matt's?
1: No. Ooh. Damn. I thought I had that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, give him to me. Okay, player
0: A is Tyson Ross. Okay. And player B is David Price. Price. Mm. So, on Ross... He's got a 272 Babbitt, a 0.81 homer per nine, a 74.9% left on base percentage, and a 44.7 ground ball percentage. Um, Ross pitched well tonight against Texas, um, so the numbers will be slightly different. But what really jumps out to me about him, there's two things. One is the fastball velocity is at 909 um, not where you would like to see it be for him, but he's upped his slider usage to help offset some of his fastball velocity issues. Um his hard contact rate is um closer to last year than it was in years past. And that ground ball rate is really what jumps out to me because this is a guy that used to be close to sixty percent, you know, in his heyday. Um We're going to talk a little bit more about Ross later because he's, uh, you know, a potential trade deadline candidate. But that's just a little preview for him. Um, With David Price, he's got a 283 Babbitt, a 0.93 homer per nine, a 71.3 left on base percentage, and a 39.8% ground ball percentage. Now, Price is a pitcher I don't feel like we've talked a lot about. We were very, very high on him coming into the year, and he has not been bad, but he has not lived up to you know our sort of theory that he would return to like a top twenty starting pitcher mm-hmm. What is your take on price? Do you think that um he is what he is right now, or do you think that? he can find another level in the second half this year?
1: Uh, I'm worried because I think that elbow is like hanging on by a thread. Um, so that's really it for me. I, I, I Well, is it, is it just
0: injury or do you think that the elbow is part of the skill decline?
1: No, yes. I think the elbow is part of the skill decline. Okay. Right. It's not just injury, um, but – with that said right I, I think like with with the the probable pain that he he does have occasionally um he's still all right like you said is he is so I'm not sure if he'll ever be top 20 again now with you know a little bit of a history and recent history of elbow injuries um but he's not hurting you he's not hurting you like he did you know, in twenty sixteen where you really, really spent up and then he banged you out with almost a four ERA, right? Like we're at three eighty one, which isn't great, but you didn't have to pay all the way, all the way up. Um and
0: so it's, I and it's I, a different I, era too. I mean
1: yeah you're
0: referring to is like three or four years ago, before they changed the ball and you know, Blanche Angle became like a you know buzzword.
1: Well 16, 16 the the ball did change but even still even still okay. um uh, but to to really get to the, the bottom of your question like do I think he turns it around at uh, in the second half I don't think so because again the the injury concerns and the injury itself is concerning.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you. I I think that the injury is part or, or you know, whatever the condition of his elbow is, is part of the explanation for his skill decline. And, and I, I do not expect it to get better. Um, but it doesn't mean that he will not have value. Um, so, predictably, I'm going to ask you, because they were going in very similar pl- locations, and I'm obsessed with bashing this guy. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka or David Price?
1: Uh I think Price is safer right now.
0: Yeah, I think I would take Price as well, but it is very close.
1: It it's super close. Okay, do you want to give us your next one? Sure. Uh so there's really nothing special about these two so I can't give you any hints. Oh, uh, they play they play primarily the same position. So okay. player A um 302 354 496 triple slash 11 home runs 37 runs and 29 rbi okay versus player b at 221 302 390 10 home runs 44 runs 30 rbi one hmm. we you talked have, about today do you have any
0: kind of steel numbers
1: uh, I can get them real quick, so one of them we talked about today okay uh let me get you player b's stolen bases are four okay, and player a's stolen bases are one okay
0: is player b gregory planka no you own him I own him, yes. Oh, is it Brian
1: Dozier? It is Brian Dozier. Okay. Okay. I don't know who the other guy is. All right. Player A is Derek Dietrich. Ah. Okay. So, uh, this is more the the point I'm trying to make here is that since Dietrich is so so hot, he's crushing fastballs at a 358 clip and slugging 572 against him. 572. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um. The point here is just if. I, if you have someone like Dozier, I think you have to consider adding someone like Dietrich just to ride it out until Dozier gets hot. Because I don't think, I don't think Dozier is going to stay this cold. But it's hard to ride him out here, out there every every day when he's batting two twenty one. Two twenty one hurts, um, with only ten home runs. If you know, if he ha- if he was at eighteen or nineteen, you can live with two twenty one. So. Dietrich's just someone, and we mentioned already that he's he's a good replacement um for injured players. Dietrich is a great guy to try and grab if you if you can right now um again i I think he's just super super hot it's just a really hot streak he's not uh he's not doing anything outside of the ordinary for dark dietrich standards um but again he can he can float you until Dozier gets hot well. Just
0: to show you, Brian Dozier hit a home run tonight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, and they're only in the second.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, there's more coming tonight. <laughs> um yeah hope. Yeah, I hope. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I have had thoughts about it with Dozier as well. Um, you know, just, you know, we're, our, our primary league is a daily lineups league, so. You know, when the matchup's been rough, I've I've certainly thought about it if he's going up against Corey Kluber or whoever, um, and it's it's a totally fair point. I mean he's he's really struggled. Um, I, again, you know, and and I hate to be super optimistic, but I'm not terribly worried. Uh, Brian Dozier is a notorious second half player. Has the streak been a little bit worse than I thought it would be in terms of how bad he's been? Absolutely. Um, You know, I expected him to turn it on sooner than this, but uh, you know, when a guy has a track record like Dozier does, I I just think that you gotta just kind of wait it out and wait it out and wait it out. Now, Dietrich is an excellent suggestion because he's hot right now and not only is he hot right now, but he's a guy that's got like every position on the diamond other than shortstop and catcher. So You can find places to plug him in. And even if you can't find a place to plug him in, he's an extremely useful bench piece because again, he can play so many spots that if you incur an injury, um, you know, he's the easy plug and play option. And then you can, you know, go onto the free agent wire and uh, you know, grab a guy that you like that, that maybe has some upside as opposed to just going out there and trying to grab somebody for need. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with Dietrich. I do think he needs to be owned. Um, and you know, I, and I, and I, and I'm not worried about Dozier. I just think that Brian Dozier, you know, he's kind of like Edward Encarnacion. And I think at this point you kind of have to just, you know, ride it out. And yeah, one year he'll bite you, but I'm not terribly worried that it's this year.
1: Nah, Dozier's just going to crush.
0: <laughs> All right. I'll move to my next guy. Um, All right, my next pair. So we got player A. This is a good one. 40 runs, 13 homers, 45 RBIs, 4 steals, 302, 857 OPS. Player B is 42 runs, 19 homers, 45 RBIs. So the RBIs are the same. Six steals, 212, 818 o- OPS. And I'll add, they're both outfielders.
1: Okay, wait, I'm sorry. Can you give me these again? Sorry, real quick. Player no, A- no problem. Okay,
0: so player A, yep. 40 runs, 13 homers, 45 RBIs, four steals, 302 average, 857 OPS. Player B, 42 runs, 19 homers, 45 RBIs, Six stolen bases, two twelve, and eighteen OP. Oh
1: B's Harper, right? B is Harper. Okay. Um a. thirteen ohm runs. It's a lot of runs in RBI. Mm-hmm. Is it Benintendi?
0: No. It's oh double 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 double. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, where's Nick?
0: Uh, well, <laughs> sorry, Nick had the work tonight. No good.
1: <laughs>
0: so, all right. Well, but it's not all good news for Odubel Herrera. And I'm going to tell you why I think he's maybe the best sell high candidate, you know, going right now.
1: All right. Wait on. wait me.
0: So he's got 349 BABIP, which isn't terribly surprising. He's usually a plus BABIP guy. K rate. No real problem there. 27% soft contact. Mm. That's not good. Not at all. 27% hard contact. That's not good. Mm. And 20% infield fly ball rate. So,
1: Wow. How does he have 13 home runs? I
0: I don't know um, is the answer. You know, he's and he's a player that we've seen go through streaks before. We've seen it, He's a player we've seen lose focus before. Um, you know, I, I just I, I'm not buying it all that much. I, I think that he's a prime sell high candidate. You've gotten the best stretch of a double of, of a double Herrera this year. And I think it's a good time to cash out, um, you know, even if you're only going to get mm, 85, 90 cents on the dollar based upon his current production, which is outstanding. Um, I, I think I would do it because I think there's a fall coming.
1: Yeah, you know what's concerning too about Odubel, right?
0: Everything? Is, no, no, no. no. <laughs> the,
1: the big thing though is like, 25 steals are, are gone, right? Like, that's never going to happen again. Well, I, I don't want to say never, but he's nowhere close to that pace right now.
0: No, right? he's not.
1: Like, he's not, he's not, he's not 15-25. And, you know, maybe he gets to 22 home runs this year, but it's going to be like 22-8, which is still not bad. But, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I, I do yeah, not... I Yeah, mean, but even if he's
0: 22-8, if he's right, like, that's...
1: Ten nine four the rest of the way nine
0: four the rest he's gotta hit like two ninety plus,
1: yeah, yeah, which which it. which is possible, right, given like the medium contact and the line drives are are fairly high, so it's possible that the you know he floats around two eighty two ninety that's possible, but yeah, i mean the the juice is probably gone,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's a good point about the steals, and with Harper, I mean two nineteen Babbitt. That's not going to stick. Twenty uh, percent K rate, twenty two point eight percent K rate. Excuse me, only eleven percent soft contacts, forty one percent hard, four percent infield fly ball rate. You know, he's been frustrating. Uh, I certainly acknowledge that, but and and he might not be the first round talent that. You know, he's often drafted as we might have to sort of reassess Bryce Harper as in at least in terms of like a median or, or, or like a, a, a median expectation for him. I think that we sort of have to reassess where the middle ground is. You know, I, I, I'm not sure that his his best case season is certainly top of the line, but I, I think his middle season might be more of a you know high end second round player than you know a a a locked down first round player particularly in, in leagues where average counts because it just seems as though there is a bit of downside there in terms of his batting average based upon his balls and play profile um but i mean certainly there's regression coming this year to me i i think that he's going to be an excellent buy low candidate for people that can buy him low. Um, and for those that are holding, I would recommend that you still hold because I think him, he much like Dozier are, are primed for pretty big second halves.
1: Yeah. I, I can't echo you enough that I think we should reevaluate Harper um, by his lonesome and the error bars are very large for Harper. That I think that's the big thing. Whereas even someone like Betts, who um, I was on top of this year, um, and I don't know if on the podcast I said that um, I, I felt a hundred percent confident that I'd go with bets over Harper, but I know in our our home league I was definitely considering taking bets over Harper. Um, so. I, and again, I think like someone like Betts, I, this is this is going off on a tangent, but I think someone like Betts has much smaller, smaller error bars. Granted, the upside is probably less. Um, but at, yeah, at what point do we do we say Harper's no longer a surefire thing with 2015 being the peak year? And that was now three years ago. So just something to think about.
0: Yeah, I agree. Okay you have one more
1: yeah one more so uh these are two pitchers, and this is the last thirty over the last thirty days okay. so um one's been particularly hot the other one's been just money in the bank as kind of always and um I'd recommend you pay attention to the Cato walks because these stand out so uh player a twenty nine in the third innings pitched a two point seven six e r a point oh nine five whip 5.4k to walk and 27ks. And player B, 36 and two thirds, 344 ERA, 0.95 whip, 4.17k to walk and 25ks. Hmm. So both very, very good months.
0: Yeah, but player B is a little lighter on the strikeouts. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what
0: was the ERA on player B?
1: 3.44. Okay.
0: Is player B Jake Arietta?
1: No, arietta has been way, way worse than that. I think arietta okay. has got like a six ERA right? over the last 30 days. Oh, over
0: the last 30, yeah. Okay. Um, can you give me player A one more time?
1: Sure. 29 and a third. Uh, two point seven six ERA, point nine five whip, five point four K to walk, and twenty seven Ks. I'll let you guess, and then I'll give you a a stronger hint.
0: Okay. Um, Is that
1: James Paxson? No. Okay. So I own player A. In our home league, I don't think that helps me. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. You want them both? Yeah, please. All right. So, player A is Marco Estrada. Okay. And player B is Miles Mikolas.
0: Ah. See, the K should have given me should have given me Mikolas.
1: Yeah, I, tr- <laughs> I tried to him. end the K to walk, but eh, it's this this game is very hard. Listeners, I'm sure you guys are gonna be like, Oh yeah, Mikolas, 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 but <laughs> it's tough when you're on the spot. Yeah. So um so the the point here is just to highlight Estrada, right? So in Estrada's first seven games he had a five point two four ERA, gave up nine home runs, six point nine K to nine, he just got crushed, right? Over the next eight games, he's pitched to a three, four, four ERA, as we've talked, um, gave up only five home runs, and he got the K per nine over seven. So the question is, what's the difference between the two halves of Estrada's season so far? So in the first half, he's used the change up 33% of the time. Since then, he's upped it to 39% of the time, and he's also mixing the cutter 5% more often. So the change is the big pitch for Estrada, and we talked about this in the off season that if he's got control of the pitch and feel for the pitch, um, he'll be good Estrada. If he doesn't, he'll be bad Estrada. Uh, the increased usage signals that he's got more confidence in that pitch. Um, And again, this is less of an indictment on Mikolas and more a light on how good Estrada's been. Um, And he's, as of today, if you, you know, try to go get either Estrada or Mikolas, um, Estrada's the much, much cheaper get. I mean, uh, you know, someone in in our home league offered Danny Duffy for Marco Estrada, so... That's the uh, that's the sort of that's the sort of uh, price you'd have to pay for Estrada right now.
0: Yeah, and chances are, I, I think Estrada's on a one year deal, so he's a prime candidate to get dealt, and he's likely going to end up in a place where his situation is going to improve. I mean, he'll be out of the AL East. He won't have to play Boston and, and the Yankees as much, at least in the most likely case. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's—it's it, a situation where he's cheap, and as a fly ball pitcher, his his situation will improve greatly based upon, uh, you know, the change of venues. Based upon not only um, the quality of the competition that he's pitching against, but the ballparks as well. I mean, if he ends up in—I'm just throwing this out there—but let's just say he ends up with the Dodgers. Um, you know, Chavez Ravine is a is a great ballpark for pitchers, and the NL West is a much more favorable situation. Um, you know, he's pitched in Milwaukee before. Um, Milwaukee is a tough ballpark, but I'd rather have him in the NL um, than in the AL East. Uh, yeah, Chicago, the the Cubs certainly could use another arm at the back of that room rotation. Um, so that's a possibility too. So yeah, there's there's some upside with Estrada. I I will admit right now, I didn't realize that he's been that good. I mean, that's completely under the radar for me. You could have given me a thousand guesses, I never would have gotten Marco Estrada there. So that's a great
1: one. Nice, nice. Um
0: and yeah, I've noticed I've noted that Mikelas has started to cool off a little bit, but I'm not terribly worried about him. This is just, you know, he was so outstanding that he was bound to regress a little bit, and I actually thought he was a little bit worse than what you gave me. So that's why he didn't pop into the head my, into my head. I was thinking his ERA was over four.
1: Yeah, I mean um, the the under one whip still is amazing.
0: Yeah, he's fantastic. I mean he's he's everything that you thought he would be, plus you know, way more.
1: <laughs> you know who's stupid this time? This guy. Dude. Stupid. <laughs>
0: Alright, I'll move it to my next one. i I'm I really like this one. So right. this is uh this is my favorite. Put a put a circle or an X around this one in your in your mind. Um player A, 59 games played, seven homers, four steals, 40 runs, 25 RBIs, a 279, 331, 438, triple slash. And we're going to go a little deeper.
1: What was the on-base percentage?
0: 331.
1: 331, okay.
0: And we're going to go a little deeper. He's got a 30.7 fly ball percentage. And a 54.2% hard contact percentage on those fly balls. And I will throw you a hint. He is an infielder. Because, go ahead. He's an infielder? He is an infielder. God. Okay. Player B is an outfielder. And he's got 71 games played, 15 homers, two steals, 36 runs, 43 RBIs, a 278, 343, 509 triple slash, a 30.8 Fly ball percentage. So the fly ball percentages are nearly identical, and a fifty three point one hard contact percentage on fly balls. So
1: nearly identical too.
0: Nearly identical too. You can see where I'm going with this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The big difference being ribbies. Oh man. Infielder. And outfielder. they play in the same division as well. That doesn't help.
0: <laughs> and you you own, I think, player B. I own player B in our in our home league. I think you own player B. Player B. No, you don't. You don't. You say it's player B, Muncy. <laughs> no, no. But you have the right division.
1: Right division. Uh. Um. Wow. Outfield. 15 bombs, 278. Player A isn't built, right?
0: No. No, Player A is DJ LeMayu.
1: Oh, but he's had seven home runs for like 50 years now, no?
0: Well, he got hurt. Yeah. He got hurt. And I took a look at... Since he's been back, and he's been relatively flat in terms of his skills flat so like like, like the flat ball percentage that. has stayed pretty consistent, okay, so like he's not hitting a bunch of grounders, it's just the ball hasn't been leaving the yard um and player b is the oh, Peralta
1: Peralta yeah yeah i yeah, I should have gotten that one
0: um so we talked about Peralta last week and what I was looking at was just, I, I went on fan graphs and I used the splits tool and I was looking at hard hit fly balls and TJ Lermay was actually seventh. Uh, excuse me. He was fifth in major league baseball on hard percentage on fly balls, which was pretty amazing to me. Um, you know, seeing him up there with like JD Martinez was kind of a, a kind of blew my mind. Um, and and Nick has been on this bandwagon for a while that like DJ is a guy that can add some power. Oh God. Yeah, I know. I think he's, I think he's right though. And, and I think that this might be the year and it kind of got interrupted by the injury. And I actually think he's a really nice buy candidate as a guy that can maybe hit 10 to 12, the rest of the way. And if he's going to hit 10 to 12, the rest of the way, and you can give him like Five more steals you get up to like 18 19 homers 10 steals the average will be good because the average is always good um and then he's sitting at the top of that lineup even that lineup being down i mean look at it you can see it it's 40 runs in 59 games that's oh that's 100 run pace easy so I think DJ's a buy. I think he's actually a pretty decent buy candidate and he's always been a a player. That's, that's, that's intriguing from the sense that like he doesn't really give you a lot in terms of category juice, but the average is usually good and he's the guy in Colorado that's normally cheap. Um, So I still think you can get him at a relative discount and if the power comes through, I think it's going to be a really nice purchase. Like, and and I can easily see it. And, you know, we've seen it with Peralta as well. I mean, the, the profiles are kind of scary, identical in terms of what they do. And I mean, Peralta is also a guy that like, he's pulling the ball more, but he's not, it, it hasn't gone, you know, insane. So you can kind of see DJ's path to, a power improvement through Peralta and even with Peralta's regression. I mean, I still think that we said like, you know, 10 to 12 homers rest of the way is a, is a pretty decent bet. So um, I don't have as much of an issue of projecting DJ into that based upon the fact that he's got seven. I mean, even at seven in 60 games, I mean, you're looking at what nine in, you know, an 80 game pace, which is probably comes to, about eighteen in a full season, so he's not he's not far off that pace based upon his games played
1: either. So, uh, a couple of comments on on you. So the first thing that stands out is over his last twenty seven games he's had two home runs, um, whereas the first twenty seven he had five. Um, I, so the thing with me, the thing for me with Lemayhu is I don't disagree, right? Like I think it's possible, and I think he was. Definitely on the way to to hitting more pop. The thing about buying is I just don't feel a hundred percent that it's real, right? I think it might be like I might be right down the middle. Like it's a coin flip for me whether or not he the rest of the season, you know, he hits another eight or nine home runs, or he hits like another three. Um, and for that reason. I don't feel comfortable buying him. And then the other point is, is sure. Right. There was some untapped power, but over like all we could do is point to what we saw in the past, in the past three years where he's a great average hitter with, you know, maybe double digit. Home run pop. Um, I know that's not a slight on you. It's a beef with Nick that we always have. Um, and then yeah, Peralta. The, the big thing for me with Peralta, and I mentioned this last week, is that he's made the adjustment—the adjustment against breaking pitches. He's crushing breaking pitches where in the past he didn't, um, which points to an advancement in in hitting in general. So, um, yeah, going forward, I definitely still like Peralta more.
0: Yeah, and I would agree with that. I mean, I don't—I don't necessarily have an issue with. Liking Peralta more. It's just DJ, I don't think is going to cost you the same amount as what Peralta does. And I mean, to the extent you can compare the two, I mean, they don't play the same position at all. So it's not really, you know, you're not, you're not, you're probably not trading one for the other. But Mm -hmm. I, I just think that you can get you have the opportunity to buy DJ at the discount. And I mean, I'm looking at it now his, his fly ball rate over the last 30 days is 36.9% for, for DJ LeMay. So the ball is getting into the air still. It's just has not produced the homers, which is a fair criticism. I mean, yeah, the homers may not come, but the reason why the homers weren't coming in the past had as much to do with, you know, a lack of power as it did have to do with where he was, what his launch angle was and what he was doing, you know, how the ball was leaving his bat, which was primarily into the ground.
1: Let me ask you something. Yeah. Would you rather have Escobar or Lemayhu rest of the season?
0: Oh, uh, that's tough.
1: I know. That's why I asked. Um. <laughs>
0: Give me Escobar, but it's probably closer than you might. Well, I mean, you said it was close, but I, I uh, it is literally splitting hairs for me. And the only reason why I would give it to Escobar is the position eligibility.
1: All right. What about um, the other the other middle infielder I mentioned, Cesar Hernandez or LeMahieu? Oh,
0: why you got to do this to me?
1: Because, I mean, I that's Cesar. why they pay
0: us. I love Caesar. No, I'd still take Caesar. Okay. All right, but... I would take DJ over, like, Ian Kinsler.
1: Yeah, I actually would, too. Well, uh, without a doubt. I think Kinsler's still toast, even though he's been a little hot lately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Nick, did 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 you hear the show a couple of weeks ago when Nick was like, oh, we're back, we're back, and I was like, oh, Nick, you called him toast like two
1: weeks ago. No, nah, I'm, I'm still I'm still on the touch. You're range.
0: still there? Okay. All right. At least you're
1: consistent. Yeah. I'm mad at my word. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. I got one more blind resume for you, Joe. All right. Cool. All right. So it's, it's pitchers again.
1: Death.
0: Player A is nine and two with a 7K per nine, a 3.1 walks per nine, a 38.6 ground ball percentage, and a 1.0 homers per nine. Okay. Yep. Player B.
1: This could that could be like anyone in the league.
0: <laughs> Player. Yeah, that that's kind of the point. A seven point six, a seven and six one, one loss record, a seven point two nine K, K per nine, a two point eight eight walks per nine, a fifty nine point two percent ground ball percentage, and a zero point nine zero homers per nine.
1: Fifty-eight? Fifty-nine percent? Fifty-nine
0: point two percent crown ball rate.
1: Oh, my God. I just looked it up. Holy shit. <laughs> All right. Give them to me, both.
0: Okay. So, player A is John Lester. Okay. And player B is Clayton Richard.
1: Clayton Richard. Mofo Richard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the 59% ground ball rate. But this was just meant to illustrate. I mean, I know everyone is screaming it from the mountain with Lester that he's a, a, a sell-high candidate to get out while you can. But uh, I mean, the numbers are just overwhelmingly poor. He's got an 87% left-on-base percentage. Eighty-seven percent.
1: Listen, I have no simpy for anyone that drafted John Lester because they clearly did not listen to our podcast.
0: Yes, they absolutely did not. But but is it really simpy? Like they're they're like laughing to the bank. He's got a two point one <laughs> ERA. I know it's ridiculous. And his FIP and X FIP are like two and a half runs <laughs> higher. It is ridiculous and i mean the 87 left left on base percentage is amazing to me because he can't keep a guy on first oh my god
1: i know <laughs> it's uh it's so frustrating it
0: defies logic it's so
1: frustrating
0: so yeah the pain is coming for lester and richard is just clayton richard like he like i, I did it solely to point out that you know mediocre skills and I mean Richard has the ground ball rate at least so like in, in essence like I, I find Richard to be you know potentially more interesting than Lester at this point but Richard's like got a 20% lower strand rate but I mean his his FIP is 3.87 Lester's is 4.19 Richard's ex FIP is 3.56 Lester's is 4.53 so by skills, Richard has been a substantially better pitcher than John Lester this year. Oh my and I'm God. not saying you need to go out and buy Clayton Richard. It's just to further drive home the point that the pain is coming for John Lester and, and his owners. And if you defied us, just go out and sell him now because it, it's going to be really, really bad when it comes
1: – Open so <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one that was a good one this is this is a really fun segment we yeah, should is uh, a one. we we definitely have to do this you know every every month or two when we when we can get some names in here
0: yeah yeah it, it is a good exercise all right, and that's going to take us to around the diamond. We're gonna do this somewhat abbreviated this week, although not too abbreviated. uh we're focusing on trade candidates. Uh, The first up is Jose Abreu. Uh, Speculation is that the White Sox intend to keep Abreu. What do you make of his season so far? And what do you expect in the second half? And do you think that somebody blows the doors off and trades for him?
1: So season so far has been Jose Abreu. Um, I expect the second half to more or less continue what he's doing. There's probably a hot streak somewhere in there to get the batting average up to 290 and and the RBIs on a triple-digit pace, um, but he's been Jose Abreu. I don't expect anything different. As far as if he gets traded, it's hard to really see a market for from a contender. So the Red Sox are content with Moreland. The Yankees, probably not. The Astros need pen help. The Brewers have a lot of bodies. The Nationals, maybe, but they keep wanting to stick with the Zimmerman-Adams combo. The Dodgers have a lot of bodies. The Phillies and Braves, definitely not. And the Cardinals have Jose Martinez. So, you know, it's just hard to really see a spot for Brady to land. You're going to come up with one right now, aren't you?
0: No, I'm not. I'm not. Um, you know, he's he's like the perfect fit for this team in terms of like a veteran leader for their squad. I mean, they've got a lot of young Hispanic talent. Uh, Yoan mancada, Eloy Jimenez coming up, um, Luis Robert. Or Robert, I believe it's Robert. Um, so they, they've got a lot of pieces coming up that are relatively close, and Abreu isn't so far down the road that he's he's useless. Um, you know, even a few years from now, he's still going to be a useful player. Um, so I, I believe that they hold on to him, and I agree with you. I mean, the season hasn't been outstanding for Abreu. The White Sox in general have gone pretty cold recently, um, but. I think that he's going to find a hot streak at some point. He's going to get close to 30 bombs. He's going to hit close to somewhere between 290 and 300. And the run production should still be there because the lineup around him is talented enough. Um, You know, you, you get what you pay for with Jose Abreu. And like you said, the market's not really there. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of teams that have both the prospect capital to take came away from a team that's not motivated to get to to move him and to pluck him in at first base you know there's just not we saw it in the off season you know Matt Adams went for 4 million dollars you know there's there's just not a uh, a need for for this type of skill set around the league at this given moment so i can't imagine someone's going to blow the doors off for them all right, let's move to second base, Scooter Jeanette. He's in the last year. Uh, uh, actually, no, he's not in the last year of his deal. I, I looked this up. This is wrong. Um, so he's, he's in his second to last year of his deal. So he's got one year left. What do you make of his season so far? And what do you expect in the second half? Do you think he's traded? Where is the most likely landing spot if he is traded? And do you think he can hit for power outside of Cincinnati? Lots of questions.
1: All right. You want to you start this one off. I've started a lot of these off recently. So, you start with Jeanette.
0: So I I think the season for Jeanette is confirmation of what he's been to me. I think Jeanette is the new Daniel Murphy. Um, He's got the swing change and he took a boring average contact heavy profile into elite territory. Uh, Originally, I thought he was going to be dealt, as you can tell from my flub at the start, because he was On the last year of his deal, it seems as though he has another year left. Um, So I don't think that he's necessarily going anywhere. Um, It does make it more complex. Uh, Does Cincinnati deal him with an extra year of control for a better return? What is the market for him? I'm skeptical. I I think that maybe he's an off-season trade. I I don't know that he's going to get dealt at the deadline. Again, I question whether or not or, or what the real market for his services are. Uh, again, second base tends to be kind of like a loaded position as you go around the league. Um, you know, one spot that jumps out to me is Cleveland with maybe Jose Ramirez shifting over to third and, um, you know, maybe maybe Kitness going to help out in the outfield is a possibility. Um, as far as his power, the home to fly ball rate's consistently at 15 percent on the road so i think he'll be fine in another park he might be closer to like an anthony Rendon type talent like a 285 2025 homer guy yep. um, outside of cincinnati but that's still a very productive piece um so yeah i'm i'm even if he does get traded i'm on board i, I still think that he's going to have utility
1: yeah, I I echo that line too outside of Cincinnati. Uh the only thing I'd I'd like to add though is I think there there could be a market. Um the Dodgers, Red Sox, Brewers, and even the Nationals with playing Defoe every day all could could use some upgrades at second base. Um I mean none of those teams need a second base like absolutely need a second base upgrade, but they could use it. Um but since he's not in the last deal, um that would require a very, very expensive price. That would be a very expensive price. So I'm with you. I, I think he's not he's not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, I, I do actually like the fit in Boston, but I just think that they're going to they I they don't have quite have the prospect capital that they've had in the past. And I think they're going to expend it on pitching.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the right move.
0: Because, I mean, the offense is good, probably good enough as is.
1: And I think that's the right move for Milwaukee, too, right? Like, they should go after pitching, not a second baseman. Yes, yes,
0: I agree. Well, Milwaukee is the, is the team that absolutely needs pitching, which is probably where we're going to end up when we get to the pitchers on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Adrian Beltray at third base. He's been linked to the Phillies. What do you make of his season so far, and what do you expect in the second half? Uh, Where is his most likely landing spot?
1: So Beltre looks like he can still still handle the bat and hit for average, but it just doesn't look like he's doing much in the power department anymore. Um, I mean, clearly, because he's got not too many home runs. But uh, the average exit velo is up from last year, surprisingly, but the launch angle is dropping more and more each year, leading me to believe that he's kind of changing his approach and trying to hit for average as the skills decline and not necessarily trying to bop the ball anymore. Um, one interesting thing that I saw was that pitchers are throwing him less and less heat since 2016 and more and more breaking balls, which could explain the career high K right now and the year over year increase. Um, so what, uh, you know, shifting gears here now, Philly is a good landing spot for him. Um, I just don't know if it changes his value all that much as I think Beltray is just someone that doesn't really excite me anymore. And I think he's, he's changed his approach as he's gotten older.
0: Can I ask you, what is the launch angle right now?
1: Oh uh, man. I don't actually know. Okay. I'll because, Cause
0: I, 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 I'm just asking because I'm a little worried about being inconsistent here because I, I kind of saw some good stuff from him in terms of, you know, the air ball profile. He's got, um, forty percent hard contact, and he's almost sixty percent in the air between his line drives and his fly balls. And he's got a thirty percent line drive rate, which is great. So I mean, that's good for average. Um, and, and you know, he's always been a strong contact guy. I know you mentioned the K rates up, but it's not at any kind of ridiculous level. So, means so can I
1: interrupt you? Yeah, go right ahead. So sure. So in sixteen, it was fourteen point four. Okay. In seventeen, it was twelve point three. Mm -hmm. And now in 18, it's 11.4. It's not bad, right? It's not, um, it's not.
0: No, it's not, but it's not, it's not the profile of a guy that's going to hit 35 bombs in the season. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't think that you can expect that at this point. Mm -hmm. I think you kind of have to look at Beltray kind of like we talked about with Jeanette, which is, you know, somewhere around full season, true talent, somewhere between high teens and 25 homers. Um, and that's perfectly fine. You can live with that when the guy's going to hit to ninety three hundred, 300, um, which is what I would expect from Belcher. I mean, I've, I've got him personally penciled in for like a second half or, or a rest of season line of somewhere between 10 to 12 homers and right around 300 batting average. But, you know, it's, it also comes with the caveat that, that he's an older player. He's been injured this year, and if he gets dealt to an NL team like Philly, he's got to play the field every day, so he's more likely to get hurt. Um, Or they give him more days off because he has to play the field every day and he doesn't see the volume. Both of those are possibilities. And, you know, if you're head-to-head daily, it's not a big deal because you can plug him in and out when he doesn't play. But if it's you're in a weekly league and, you know, he's playing five of six or – four of six on a given week, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, So I I think the value um, will go up wherever he goes, but you just need to be conscientious about the volume. And I mean, the ideal landing spot would be an AL team where he can just DH, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that's going to happen. But Philadelphia is is a really good landing spot, especially because the park is so good. And that lineup is awesome. So he would probably factor in right in the middle of that lineup and there'd be plenty of RBI opportunities for him. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a guy that I think he's one of those players that I think will benefit the most in terms of, um, you know, value or, or positive value from switching locations. This is probably the guy that will benefit the most. Uh, Manny Machado. And the D-backs are sniffing around, and he's a lot to be moved. They have to. Um, what do you make of what Machado's done so far? And what are you what are you expecting in the second half? And where do you think he ends up?
1: Machado could probably play in a lineup with you and I and get a boost in counting stats. <laughs> the yeah, but, been awful. but he
0: got made... To look a fool tonight by <laughs> James Paxton,
1: Just slipping that in there.
0: Yeah, I had to bring that up. That was nasty. If you haven't seen it, it he made him look like Carlos Gomez. But <laughs> go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. I, I had to throw that in there.
1: Yeah, no, that's okay. I, I So um, I, I mentioned this earlier earlier. Um, I can't re- recall why, but Machado was someone that uh, myself and Nick were high on. Nick was even higher than I was. Um, you know, there was a lot to like with Machado's profile coming into the season, and he's pretty much done everything we expected. Um, I There's there's no reason for me to believe that he won't continue um, the, f- the first half, uh, rinse and repeat of the second half, in the second half of the first half. Sorry. Wow. That was confusing. I think it'll I think it'll be really good again. Um as far as places where you can go and an ideal landing spot, I think places you could go are um the Dodgers, Brewers, Phillies, D backs, all possible landing spots. I think the Dodgers are the ones that probably pull the trigger at the end of the day. They've you know, they have a history of high profile um acquisitions. Their shortstop is for sure missing the rest of the season. Um I know Muncie's come up and that's allowed, uh, Taylor to, to swap around a little bit. Um, but I think Machado really gives them the juice. The Dodgers are also playing better as of late. Um, so I think that's the landing spot. I don't know if that's ideal. I mean, I think ideal would be either Milwaukee or Philly as the ballparks are better. Um, lineups are probably all equivalent. They're all really good. So that's my take.
0: Yeah. Um, Honestly, in terms of performance, I think his batting average is a little high. The Babbitt profile isn't great. Um, He's fly ball heavy, low on line drives. But there's no doubt that he's explosive and elite. And and you really don't care uh, all that much if Machado is a 300 hitter or a 280 hitter. Um, And the the, the plate discipline is so good that, you know, the Babbitt isn't going to be that much of an issue. So as long as he's got the homers, the extra base pop and the run production the batting average is, is minutia. Um, so, I mean, I'm looking at a player that's going to go 280, 15, 18 homers, five steals and good run production. And I feel like this is the guy that ends up in Cleveland. Um, I, it, Cleveland is their window is now, um, and it's not open too much longer. They are a team that, um, is a very good team and, you know, certainly capable of making a run with a top of a rotation that goes Kluber, Bauer, Carrasco. But they really need something to get them a step up closer to Houston and Boston and the Yankees. They are clearly the fourth best team in there. Mm-hmm. And Machado is the type of piece that I think gets them there.
1: Yo, you know what they could do? They could get Machado and and, Britain. and yes. Britain. Yep, because they, right they need the relief help. Because they need the bullpen. Desperately. Yep. Their yes. bullpen has been awful. Yep.
0: Yeah. And Baltimore has... That's one of the things that Baltimore has is the relief assets.
1: Who who goes over in that deal though? Um I got his name slipping in my mind, the catcher.
0: I would bet it I I mean, I, I I can't, you know, say for sure that this is a fair deal, but I would think it would have to have to be Mejia who's the catcher.
1: Yeah, Mejia, Mejia. Jesus. um
0: I would think Bieber is going in that deal. Um, so, I mean, they're trading some of their pitching depth, but hopefully at that point you would get Danny Salazar back from the dead um, and it wouldn't be as bad of a hit. Um, and I would imagine, you know, another prospect, either like a Yu Chang or uh Yeah,
1: probably, probably have Bradley. to be. Man, their, their system really isn't all that good. It's not yeah. deep.
0: It's not. No, it's not because this is what happens. Teams are yeah. good and... They go, on the, they go on the downward slope, but yeah. I, but I do think that there's enough there that they can make a match. I do think that they've got enough that they can they can get that deal done.
1: That's the way to do know, it, though. Ship Machado with Britton and just get a mega yeah. package.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I, I think that that's what they need to do um, in order for that deal to work. But but they're the team that really needs him because. They're the fourth team, you know, in that collection.
1: Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. And
0: if you add Machado and and a pretty good reliever, it starts to become, like, probably the most ridiculous four-team set that we've seen in quite some time.
1: Oh, yeah, the ALCS is the World Series.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Okay, let's switch it to the pitchers. We got Jay Hatt leading off. Uh, The Mariners and Yankees have both shown some interest. He's in the last year of his deal and will be on the move. What do you make of his season so far, and where do you think he ends up? What's the most likely landing spot for Jay Hatt?
1: Uh, It's the Mariners, I think, for sure. He spent a half season there already, so they know him. Um, And Seattle's a better spot of the two. Um and I think the Yankees would deem even though Hap is awesome and he's gotten even better than we thought he would be, um, I think the Yankees would deem Hap as not a big enough upgrade. Um he's dropped the the curveball almost entirely and utilized the slider and the cutter. Um the whiff rate is at a career high, ten and a half percent. A little low for a ten plus K per nine, but so that might take a hit, but he's, he's just continuing to improve. Um, Hap's the man. And, and again, I, I, I just don't think that the Yankees would feel like Hap's a significant upgrade to what they have, whereas I think the Mariners could totally use Hap. And, again, they're familiar with him.
0: Yeah, and, and to give us a little bit of props, I mean, Hap was definitely one of our best calls. Uh, the skills of taking a step forward, the whiff rate and the K rate are a career high. Um, he's gotten there in sort of an unorthodox manner. He's sort of gone the opposite of the rest of the league because he's throwing his fastball 80% of the time between the four seam and the sinker. So not a lot of off speed stuff, not a lot of breaking stuff here. Um, second half, I think you're looking at the same solid package somewhere between a three and a half and a three, seven, five ERA K's probably come down to about nine per nine. Um, even at that level, he's a top 40 starting pitcher, which he was not being drafted as at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I, I I do think that the Yankees are probably the team that's going to do it. Just because I don't know that they're going to find an available pitcher that they, um, you know, like you said, deem sort of worthy. I'm not sure the Mets are going to deal either of their aces. I'm not sure I see another arm out there that's going to satisfy um, their needs. Uh, I do think Seattle is an interesting one, but I just don't know. Seattle has the juice. Um, You know, I mentioned the Cubs earlier when we talked about Marco Estrada. I do think they can use an arm um, in the back of their rotation. Tyler Chatwood has disappointed. And although Mike Montgomery has been good, um, I, I still think that they like him better in the bullpen and feel more comfortable with him in the bullpen. And There's questions about Darvish. Um, We have voiced our concerns about Lester. So I think that could be a landing spot as well. Okay. Dylan Bundy, who was put on the DL uh, with an ankle injury. We're obviously not terribly concerned about that. Um, He's under team control through 2021. So he's no lock to be moved. Do you think he gets moved? And what do you think of Bundy?
1: So, Bundy flashed brilliance to open up this year. I mean, he was awesome, um, but then he bundied himself back to a three point eight one ERA and giving up. Well, a he ton had that start runs. where he didn't get an
0: out, right? Didn't he like, give up seven earned or something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, and and I think we we need to start using that being bundied because that's <laughs> what he did to himself. Yep. Um, I I I mean, I think it all comes down to whether or not he has a feel for his pitches on any given night. Like I, I think you don't know until you know you see that first batter and you're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> or you're like oh yeah <laughs> so so bundy's had 15 starts this year three where he's given up seven or more runs four where he's given up no runs and eight where he's given up between 1 and 4 so he's usually pretty solid but he can be lights out or downright awful the good news is he's still sticking with the slider, so the K's are are, are going to stick around, and just the results are going to be up and down until he can evolve as a pitcher and get better feel for his pitches. Uh, ultimately, to answer a question on whether or not I think he's moved, I don't think he goes anywhere. Um, I'd be surprised if teams trusted him as anything other than a project right now, um, and unless someone really thinks that they can get his consistency under control, I think he stays put with so much team control too.
0: Yeah. The control is really the interesting factor. Um, Well, let me ask you this. So if you were running Baltimore, would you do it?
1: Yes, because uh, they, their outlook is so bleak that they need to move any assets they can. um, And just tank.
0: Yeah. See, to me, this is the, this this is the opposite of the Mets situation. And we we being from New York have several friends that are Mets fans, along with myself, and you know, we have seen how bleak it is, and there are plenty of jokes um, you know, circling around about the Mets and you know how bad that situation is right now. But their window of contention is still Pretty wide open because they've got a lot of young under control assets aside from the pitchers, you know, being Degrom and Cindergard. Um, you know, we've seen Nimo come up. We've seen Conforto. Um, Cespedes is still under contract for for a couple of years. Um, hasn't been healthy this year, but you know he, he's in he's in the fold. Um, Rosario, uh, Peter Alonso is tearing up was tearing up Double A and now is at Triple A um there's a there are pieces there for the mets um that is not the case in baltimore um you know their best prospect is probably austin Hayes, yeah, Hayes who really hasn't even played this year um due to an ankle issue it's so bad there so to me i agree with you i think that they need to explore dealing these guys as well as Machado. And, and by these guys, I mean Gosman because we're going to talk about him. And I, we'll, we'll just talk about him next. Um, but as far as your analysis on Bundy, I mean, you're spot on. It's all about the slider. I mean, if he can command it, he's going to be good. If he can't command it, he's a bad fastball guy and he's going to get blown up. Um, yep. I do think that he's going to be attractive um, to someone at the deadline. You know, I do think that he could be the guy that Milwaukee tries to go and get, um, and, you know, bets that their pitching, fishing coaches can, you know, figure something out for him, um, to, to push him over the top. And I do think that there's a possibility. I certainly think there's a possibility that he could get, um, you know, to another level with a different pitching staff. I mean, we've seen it before all it took was, I mean, Jake Arrieta was, was absolutely terrible, went to Chicago and became one of the best pitchers in baseball, um, you know, I, I I don't put that past um, Baltimore, that there's something that they're doing that's holding him back. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Milwaukee's a, a good landing spot. Um, it's not the best because the ballpark is bad and he's got homer problems. But I think that they're the team that's most likely to go and get him.
1: To be fair to the Orioles, right, if they move Machado and Britain and get, you know, Two to four top organizational prospects. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, twenty twenty one, they could be, can, you know, kind of piecing together a team, and Bundy could be a part of that. So yeah, but that's
0: the end of their. That's the end of their window with Bundy.
1: That's that's true. Um, I I I don't. I, I I could see it going either way, but my gut says that he stays put.
0: Yeah, I, I think that he's going to stay put, but I would personally move him. Yeah, I think so. That's let's, fair. let's 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 uh, skip over Tyson Ross for now. Let's go right to Kevin Gossman, and we'll come sure. back to Ross. So I mean, you know, same sets, same sets of questions as with all the other guys. Um, what are you seeing from Gossman? And do you think that he's, you know, do you think it's the same case as Bundy? Will he? Is he more likely to get moved than Bundy? Uh, I believe the team control is about the same.
1: Yeah, he's continuing to get worse at giving up home runs despite the home run ball being a bit uh, down a bit this year compared to the last two. I think Gaussman is just he he needs a change change of scenery, probably even worse than Bundy does to turn his career the Gauss, around. Man. Yeah. I, I mean you'll put him in new chase fields, humidor chase field. I don't actually know where I would like live, that one. I, I don't know where the, the best landing spot would be. Um but man, Gaussman—he—he uh, he could very well be just like the other Orioles pitchers, and as soon as he gets out of the the abomination that is the Baltimore Orioles pitching development, he he figures it out. Uh, again, I I think it's the same sort of thing. Um, I think since you know 2021 is so far away, um, in baseball years and. <laughs> You know, he's a guy that they can throw out there every five days, and they're not really trying to compete right now. So I think he stays put, too.
0: Yeah, I I agree much with Bundy. You know, I think he stays put. I'm a little bit higher on Bundy than I am with Gossman.
1: I'm a lot Um, higher on Bundy than I am on Gossman. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm glad we're on the same page. But
0: but the story is similar. I mean, you know, if Gossman can throw his splitter and, and get guys to swing at it, He's in good shape. If he can't command it, he's a bad fastball guy and he gets crushed. So, you know, Gossman rises and falls with his best secondary pitch. Um, On the plus side from Bundy, the grounders are a bit more prevalent for Gossman. Um, So the ballpark is a little less important, but I also think the ceiling is a little lower. Um, You know, I think Bundy could be sort of like a, borderline number two type starter with like a 3.25 ERA, you know, in the
1: best case. Yeah. If he think, puts it together, he can put it together.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the whip is going to be good because he's a fly ball guy. So I think Bundy's upside is a little higher. I think Gossman is probably closer to like a JA Hap level, um, you know, like a three, five, three, seven, five guy in the best case. Um but again, you know, like I could see Gosman being the guy that Milwaukee wants, um, and you know, maybe he's an even better fit in Milwaukee because of the ground balls um, and, and and the lower fly ball percentage. So the homers might be a little bit less of an issue. But um, yeah, I, th- I think they end up staying put with these guys. But I it does not mean that I think they should keep them. And yeah, if I were fair. them, I would be trying to move both of them because I don't see them being a competitive team. Like really, really competitive until 2021. Because you gotta remember, I mean, they're they're in a bear of a division. I mean, the Yankees aren't going anywhere.
1: Yeah, and the Blue Jays are about to be really, really good. At least yeah. have a ridiculous lineup.
0: Yeah, so I mean if I were them, I'd take the I'd take the White Sox route and just blow it up and accumulate assets. Because I mean the assets that they do have between Machado and the two pitchers are enough to really get a good base. And then you combine that with picking near the top of the draft for a few years, you're going to be pretty well set with the foundation, you know, in a few years to be able to really try to make a run at this thing. Yeah. Okay. And that takes us back to Tyson Ross. So, you know, I talked about Ross briefly And what I'm seeing, what are you seeing from Ross? Do you think he can succeed outside of San Diego? And do you think he can keep his Renaissance season going in the second half? And where, where do you see him maybe ending up if he gets traded, which is likely.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned something and that was that, um, you know, he's throwing the slider more um, and, and, and kind of ditching the fastball a bit. And I think that's, That's Tyson Ross, right? The slider has always been banana sandwich. Um, And and like you said, he's thrown it more than ever. Um, And the the fastball is sometimes even being classified as a cutter, or the slider is sometimes being classified as a cutter. So, um, you know, he's probably got a couple of different looks dabbled in there. Um, And again, throwing your best pitch is most often is often a good recipe for success. Um, since San Diego is no longer the pitch haven it's been, as long as he doesn't go somewhere like Yankee Stadium or course fields, which I don't think he will, um, he'll likely be able to keep the success going unless of course he gets hurt. Um, ultimately what I think a team does with Ross is kind of like what Houston tried to do with Liriano last year and, um, emulate the Astros success of stringing together, starting pitchers into long relievers slash relievers in general for the playoffs. Um, So I think Ross could be a landing spot for the Indians. He could be a landing spot for the Red Sox. And he goes to one of these super teams and slots in as a reliever and not a starting pitcher, which would definitely destroy his fantasy value, um, but would be an excellent real life acquisition.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to add, I, I think he's a pitcher that needs a neutral or better ballpark. Um, you know, I, I think I don't think he's a pitcher that can go to New York or, or go to Boston and be successful in that environment with his current skill set. I think he's got to go to, like, Seattle, um, you know, and Safeco isn't the, the pitcher's haven it once was, but it's good enough that I think he could succeed there. Um, and that's actually a pretty good fit, to be honest. It's just going to be whether or not Seattle wants to expend the assets to, you know, get Tyson Ross for two months. Um, you know, I, and I view him more as like a high threes guy the rest of the way because I do think there's some regression coming.
1: Yeah, you know, you you had mentioned too about Milwaukee. You know, that's a possible spot. But if he does go to Milwaukee, that is definitely a bad place to land.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not ideally suited to his um, skill set, especially given the amount of hard contact he's given up. Okay, and we're going to quickly do our player spotlight section. I've got two for you. Joe's got one. So I'll pick it off. I want to talk about Michael Fulmer. Um, I made a deal for him. Um, He's another guy that uh, there is some potential that he's dealt. Um, You know, the Tigers aren't aren't good and they're looking to rebuild that system. And I think this might be the guy that the Yankees go after, to be honest. Um, the whiff rate is up. The Ks are up. Um, it's long been theorized that Fulmer, um, his K rate should be higher based upon the stuff. I think the jump is for real. It's not a crazy jump by any means. I mean, he's up around 7.8 per nine. But if he can live around eight, I think he's an asset. Um, he's, I think he's been a bit of an overrated asset in the past. But I think the market is coming down on him. and might be coming down a little too low. Um, and and in another environment, I could see him t- taking, you know, sort of the mini version of the Garrett Cole leap. Um, not to that extreme, but I, I think he, there's more under the hood here. And I think another organization can bring it out in him. Um, you know, when I acquired him, Nick said he's like Gregory Polanco He's overrated, but I think with the lack of strikeout track record, the bad team, the uneven start, he, he he's being undervalued. So if you view him as like a 7.5 to 8K per nine guy with, you know, mid threes ERA upside, I don't think you get sung by him. And I think you can certainly get him for less than that. And there's always the possibility he goes somewhere – um, you know, at the deadline where they can unlock some of this K potential that's seemingly underneath the surface, because the stuff is a lot better than what he's produced at this point.
1: Let me ask you a question now. If he does get traded to the Yankees, does his value, his current value change at all for you?
0: Um, I think it depends on the format. Okay. Um, You know, if you're, In a wins league it certainly does sure just based upon that um i think what he would lose in homers he would gain in um whip um detroit is a notoriously good hitting park for average um and while yankee stadium is a bam box I, i think that the whip would probably come down in that case I think the ERA would stay about the same, but I also think that the Yankees are an organization that might be able to unlock some of that K potential. Um, So all in all, I would say it's probably a slight plus um, in, in Yankee stadium. Um, But you know, if, if he's the guy that Milwaukee wants, they've got the assets to go and get him and I wouldn't be afraid of him in Miller either.
1: Yeah, right. I, I think we're just going to agree to disagree. I I just I don't know. Moving moving to either one of those places would scare me. I just I, I feel like I haven't seen enough from him yet, even even with the improvements, to really feel comfortable with Fulmer in in a in a really good hitter's ballpark. So, I think I'm out. And I I don't know for sure, but I think Nick also isn't really too fond of Fulmer.
0: No, he's not. He, like he said, he called him in.:
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. My, uh, my one guy is uh, Kyle Tucker, and it's really just to highlight how incredibly hot he's been. He's on a 15-game hitting streak in the minors, um, and he's pretty much doing his best George Springer in the minors uh, impersonation. Um, he's absolutely destroying AAA, slashing 314, 382, 509. 10 home runs, 13 stolen bases through 69 games. And I think he had a home run tonight, uh, which extended the streak. There's still a bit of a log jam in Houston. Uh, specifically, I don't think Marmon gets a boot. And Derek Fisher being so young, um, you know, he might stick around, although he doesn't get regular playing time already. Tony Kemp will not be a roadblock at all for Tucker. Um, and I j- the end of the day i just can't imagine if he continues to hit so well that he's down for much longer um you know we're we're almost in july now and houston has said that they think that tucker is part of their summer plans um so just make sure tucker's on your radar and you don't want to be stuck without him if he gets the call up and you can afford to stash him soon
0: yeah, I, I do think that he's probably going to find his way to the majors in one form or another, um, in short order, um, and, and is worth the stash. He's an outstanding hitting talent. Um, you know, whether or not that will translate right away remains to be seen. But he's got the sort of upside that, um, you know, he could be a difference maker down the stretch, whether it's in Houston or elsewhere if he's traded.
1: Let me ask you a question. Sure. Uh Is Tucker the number one prospect, fantasy prospect, for 2018? Like, going forward.
0: Like, redraft-wise?
1: Yeah. Like, is he the the prospect, out of all the prospects remaining, right? Jimenez, um, Vlad, Tucker. Is Tucker the number one?
0: If I could guarantee Vlad's health, I would say Vlad. Um I I agree with you. I think I think it's I think it's kind of a coin flip between those three. I mean, to me Vlad is the is the clear-cut number 1 in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh with when you factor in the health, I think he kind of falls back in line with the other two. Um I think we're more likely to see Tucker for a significant amount of time than we are Jimenez. So, based upon opportunity, based upon like all those factors, I think Tucker probably is number 1. But, um, you know, if if I had a strong feeling that Eloy was going to come up or if I got, you know, word that he was going to come up sooner than later, um, you know, I might jump Eloy over Tucker. But it's extremely close between those three. Everything being considered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those they they are the top three guys.
0: Yep. Definitely. And there's kind of a dearth of like pitching. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah. I mean, like, Kopac has kind of been inconsistent. Yeah. Puck got hurt. Yeah. Um, You know, there's just not a lot there in, like, those upper levels. I mean, Quantrill's there, but, you know, San Diego has no motivation to bring him up. Uh, You know, Urias is on his way back. I I don't even think he's got prospect eligibility anymore, but um, there's just not a lot at the upper levels of the minors to get excited about pitching wise at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah, At least saw, for
0: 2018 anyway.
1: Right. We saw Bueller graduate. We saw, um, uh, Oh my God. His name Soroka. Is Sor- yeah. Soroka, the, uh, the Cardinal Who flat Flaherty. Yeah. Flaherty graduate. Right. So we saw a couple of these guys graduate. So yeah, there's like Kopech supposed to be the guy but you know i i I had talked about him you know maybe six weeks ago or so about how he was like stringing things together, and then all of a sudden he started to blow up again, and he's yeah. you know he's wasted all of that that you know that improvement he's you know he's walking guys again, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like, dude, it's kind of it's kind of empty for for a little bit here
0: okay, and my second guy, and the guy we will wrap the podcast up with is Jesse Winker. Um, before the year began in our Bold Predictions podcast, I predicted that Brandon Nimmo and Jesse Winker would out-earn Ronald Acuna. Um, you know, th- th- it, was, it was a bold prediction meant to highlight both Brandon Nimmo and Jesse Winker. Um, the reasons why I liked Nimmo and Winker was that they both show a very good combination of plate patience, and they had hints of a swing change that appeared to be occurring during spring training. Uh, Nimmo has obviously been a total home runs, home run for those that bought in. Um, He's currently pacing as a top 25 outfielder, uh, which is beyond even my wildest expectations. Uh, Winker has been kind of a mixed bag. Um, Playing time has been a bit inconsistent, uh, a situation that I think will probably resolve itself in the second half when Hamilton and possibly others, maybe Adam Duvall are shipped out. I believe he was one of the last consistent regulars, putting aside the call ups, to actually hit a home run. Uh, but he now has five on the season. So the power has surged a little bit uh, with four in June. The plate discipline is absolutely elite. He's got a 14.8% walk rate and a 14.1% K rate. So he's walking more than he's striking out. That's is- a 14% clip.
1: That is crazy. Yeah. For I mean, it's a second second stint in the majors, but still, that's ridiculous. Yeah, like I mean, Alec, Alex Bregman is doing that for the first time in his career.
0: Yeah, and uh, this is this is 390 play appearances in total for you know over the course of like the two the two seasons. So it is bananas. The batting average is sitting at just two fifty-seven, but the BABIP is low compared to where it was in the minors. When he consistently ran over three hundred in terms of BABIPs, with an average batting average usually right around three hundred, um, even with the disappointing average, with the fourteen percent walk rate, the OBP is at three seventy three. So if the average rebounds, you're looking at a four hundred OBP guy. The ground ball to fly ball sits at one point one eight, with a twenty three point three percent line drive rate, hard contact at forty point six percent. So. You know, you can see where the plus BABIP will come from, or, or at least the the uh, regression on the balls in play will come from to get the batting average up. But here's the really good stuff. In June, with four of his five homers, in that time, his pull percentage is 36%. Oppo, just 15%. Hard contact, 47.4%. That's on fly balls. So he's pulling his fly balls more. He's hitting them oppo less and he's hitting them nearly at a 50% hard contact clip. So you can see where the power surge has come from. And then the preceding two months. So we're talking April and may 9% pull rate, 25.6% hard contact. So it could be a hot streak. We could label it that, but it looks to me like there's a really pretty significant change in the way he's trying to hit his fly balls. Um, and and I think it could be a young player figuring things out. Now, if you look at his full season line, he's at five homers. Last year, he hit seven. So that's 12 homers and just about 400 plate appearances. I said before the year, I thought he could hit around 18 to 20 homers. If you look at what he's done over the course of 400 plate appearances, that's about what he paces out to. So if he's an 18 to 20 homer talent, you give him... Ten to eleven homers the rest of the way, with a two seventy five average and a four hundred ovP in front of Votto Suarez and possibly Gannett he's going to have value and and I think he's worth the stash now because i I can't imagine he's going to continue yeah, i think he went three for four again tonight um so he he hit he hit well again tonight i i I think he's going to find his way up to the top of that lineup before long. And if he's running a 400 OBP up there, he's going to score a ton of runs.
1: He's uh, he's like a perfect, like not really post type sleeper, but, you know, going into next year, if he doesn't really, you know, kind of string it all together and. Put together some crazy hot streak, but kind of, you know, does this thing and ends up with like 17 or 18 home runs or so like very quietly, he's going to he's going to. He's going to be a massive value next year, Yeah, especially and, in OBP leagues, obviously.
0: Yeah, and, and I just want to elaborate on, on one thing that um, was brought up last week. Um, we We spoke about, you know, like 20 and 30-day rolling averages and stuff like that. And we're so deep into the year now that 30 good days, you know, a good month – doesn't necessarily bring you up to where your full season line looks attractive. So Winker has had an awesome month. And and this was the case with Randall Grichuk, who I brought yeah, up last I was week.
1: I say Grichuk.
0: You know, has had an outstanding month. But their full season lines look pedestrian to bad still. So this is where you can find some value um, in guys by looking at the smaller samples. Now, I mean, smaller samples, obviously less. Um, you know, the, the evidentiary value is less, but at the same time, you can start to see the trends. And and that's where you want to dig a little deeper. If you see a guy that's had a good 30 days to see if there's something behind it. And in the case of Greechuk, there definitely is. And in the case of Winker, I think there is as well. So it's where you can kind of find some of this value and potentially trade away from some excess. I mean, if you're, if you're rolling pretty deep in the outfield and, you know, someone's coming and knocking at your door, and these guys are on the waiver wire, um, you know, you can trade your excess outfield or scoop these guys up and you know, ride them out and find out if it is for real. Yeah. Okay, and that's gonna wrap it up for us tonight. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Joe, let them know where they can find you on Twitter.
1: At Joe FWO. And I have been tweeting recently, so
0: yeah, you've been tweeting more than I have. <laughs> nice, <laughs> which is a which is a rare occurrence. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Patrick FWO. I will be more active. Uh, just hit a hit a bit of a rough patch, but you know I'm going to get back online. Um, thanks so much for listening, again, guys. We'll be back next week.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Peace. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the.